Aloha. Welcome to the Mr. G podcast. This is episode 38. Today is Aloha Friday, June 23rd, 2023. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. Last night was the NBA draft. Congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs for drafting the next basketball phenom superstar, Victor Wimbanyamba, a.k.a. Wimby. I don't usually, I don't ever watch the NBA draft. There's probably nothing more boring to watch. I've tried watching the NBA draft. Last night, I watched for about five minutes. When I tuned in, they were already uh, in the middle of the first round. And I listened to an interview. I listened to a dotting mother, um, how proud she was of her son. Um, I can't tell you the exact player. It was the one that was in the nice outfit, similar to what I'm wearing today. If you're watching on Twitter or YouTube, the Mr. G podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, audacity podcast, Apple podcasts, is the best place, Spotify podcast, Amazon podcast, Google podcasts, numerous podcast outlets that I'm not even aware of, but they're just sent out to those places. So listen to the Mr. G podcast every day. There is a new episode may take you a minute to find it, Mr. G Hawaii, Gregory Brandt, and either way, full uh, full episodes of the Mr. G podcast are uploaded in their entirety on Twitter and YouTube every day as well. So uh, we're going to talk about a few things in the news today, and um, <clears throat> we'll mention a couple Berkeley graduates. As far as stories today, I'm going to be talking about uh, the summer of 2008, that was the summer that The Dark Knight, one of my favorite movies, opened. It's one of the only movies I've seen in theaters in the last 15 years. In the last 15 years, I've probably seen five to ten movies in the movie theaters. I could list them all if I thought about it for a while. But The Dark Knight, um, I saw in the summer of 2008. I mentioned the summer of 2008 in my first book, Gonzo Education, uh, which is available on Amazon. So if you want to know more about what I talk about today, uh, you can look up my book on Amazon. So the summer of 2008, I remember when the NBA finals were going on, it was the Lakers and the Celtics. And I was working at a 7-Eleven uh, at 50th and Lamar in Austin, Texas, about a mile or two from the University of Texas campus. And the summer of 2008 was actually uh, the only, one of the only summers that I didn't attend summer school, thank God. At the time, me and my twin brother, we were living in like a, a house that was in somebody's backyard, but it wasn't regulated by the city of Austin. And the city of Austin are very strict on their uh, building regulations. So even though we were paying rent to the landlord, we weren't behind on rent. He was basically illegally renting us the building in Hyde Park. And there was uh, some neighbors across the street that were just too interested in us, just watch, watching our every move and you know, watching if we slept there or not. And eventually the city uh, workers came and they uh, told us that we had to leave and we had no choice, uh, no um, heads up, no notice or anything. We just had to get all of our stuff and get it out of there. And so me and my brother, I was working at 7-Eleven, but he moved everything out to the car. And I had a cat at the time, my orange cat, Sam. And I didn't know what to do uh, with Sam. And uh, everything was in the car we weren't allowed back in the place and i and i worked graveyard shift at this 7-eleven which was uh, crazy you know uh i i was I, like i said i was off of school so i was able to work the graveyard shift but it was one of the hardest jobs and 
the, many of the customers were extremely disrespectful and the police officers that would come in there were also disrespectful. A lot of people would just think that they're better than me because I'm working in a 7-Eleven. Like you'll get some, I, I, when I was working there, I remember I was surprised. Like I was really great at making chit chat and just that's what I'm good at, interpersonal conversation. So everybody that came in there, that's what I would do. I would just talk to them and be friendly with them and tell them jokes, whatnot. Uh, but a few times that that mentality did not work over when the uh, customer would just have the biggest condescending attitude. And it's like, you're shopping at 7-Eleven. You're not special, you know? And sometimes the most ghetto people ever would come in there, barely even able to speak, probably can't read or write. And they would just talk down on me. And I've seen videos of, uh, you know, 7-Eleven clerks being robbed and being killed, you know, even if they uh, cooperate and give the robber all of the money and they just see their lives as nothing as less than human because they're working at a 7-eleven and it's like what the fuck and if i knew that i wouldn't have ever worked there um working there on graveyard shift i remember at the time iron man first came out the first iron man movie and on all of the 7-eleven cups it would say iron man iron man picture and i was just thinking how odd and how strange it was like uh robert downey jr uh, who plays iron man i just like that guy is iron man why are they making an iron man movie what are they going to start making superhero movies and yeah they started making superhero movies um I, at the time i was working at 7-eleven i never got as less sleep as i did there um i was working the graveyard shift and then all of a sudden we were kicked out of the the little uh cottage we were living in uh so it was this was the one of the hottest summers on record in texas in 2008 so I was supposed to sleep during the day because I worked at night, but my car didn't have air conditioning. At least I had a car, right? It would have been a lot harder if I didn't. And so there wasn't really much I could do as far as sleep. I went the longest that I'd ever been without sleeping. On my day off, my night off, I would park the car somewhere and try to get a few hours sleep. But I remember that week that I didn't sleep because I couldn't sleep. It was too hot during the day and I was working at night. I was working at 7-Eleven. I was like in a, a, a hallucinogenic state after the third or fourth night. Like it, it could not have lasted. And then eventually I, I was in the uh, University of Texas. I think it was the Fine Arts Library. And you can check out like rooms if you're a student there. And it was the summertime. So I wasn't enrolled in summer school, but I still had a University of Texas ID and they still let me have access to the libraries. So I would check out, book a room every day. Uh, get a bunch of seats together, maybe find a couple pillows and manage to take a nap. Um, also, a friend of mine lived at a dormitory in West Campus. Shout out, Charles. And I would uh, go sometimes I would play basketball and we'd go back and I just crash out on his couch during that time. But I was so angry, too. There was one basketball game during that time. Uh, there was a like a really tall, some uh, well, like taller than me, like six, 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 seven. Uh, like, and he was from another country in the Middle East, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, but we were playing basketball and I was more skilled than, than him, but he was a lot bigger than everybody. And I remember just talking so much crap and I was just so upset. And uh, we almost got in a fight right there, me and that the huge guy. And they had to calm me down. And you would never see me act like that. But uh, take you take away somebody's sleep for a few days and you'll see a side of them that you had never seen before um it was an interesting job that was the first 7-eleven that i worked at 
uh, later on, after I graduated, I would end up working at a sub, two different 7-Elevens in Reno, Nevada. But I always remember that 7-Eleven job in the two, in the summer of 2008. Uh, there was a blind guy that lived in the apartments across the street, and he would come to the store almost every day. And he was completely blind, so he needed help with his cash. And I remember sometimes he would ask customers, is this a 20? Is this a 10? And sometimes they would like see what they could get from him. And then after he never saw me because he's blind, but he would talk to me. And if you're listening to me and you don't know what I look like, then you're the blind guy. <laughs> but no, uh, he he really uh, trusted me. And that's something that a blind individual needs is somebody that they can trust. Uh, the city of Austin actually has more uh, blind residents than just about any major city in the United States because they have one of the top uh, blind colleges and blind institutions and just north of UT. So in Austin, Texas, you have a lot of blind individuals that I've made friends with as well. Uh, there was another uh, musician that was a student at Austin Community College, and I met him on the bus, just talking to him. And he invited me to his house. And then I met his wife, who wasn't blind. Uh, but I would hung out, hang out at his house and smoke pot. And thinking about it now, they really did have to trust me because they didn't even... Uh, know what I look like. They could just, the, the individual just had to hear me. And I remember when I first came to his house and his wife was like, um, you're just bringing people back. And then this, the blind guy was like, had like long hair, was a musician. was like, no, 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 this is different. This is my friend, Greg. He's a very good guy. Listen to him for a minute. You realize And I was like, I just talked to her for a minute. I'm like, yeah, but she, still, she was like hesitant. Like you shouldn't bring people back here. You shouldn't, you know, make friends with people. You're blind, you know? And uh, the other individual was uh, that I met a few years later when I was working at the 7-Eleven, he was also blind and I helped him like find uh, food and stuff like, like, cause he was blind and he couldn't figure stuff out like flavors of stuff, but he would buy all of his groceries at the 7-Eleven right there. And uh, his mom would also come once a week and, and bring food. And we just started talking and I told him my situation and everything. And, you know, he mentioned, Oh, well, I have an apartment across the street. If you want to sleep over there, we can come over. And then so after work every day, I started going over there and he would just like watch like uh, South Park and Family Guy. And he would just sit in front of the TV and just, well, listen to it because he couldn't see. And then his fridge was full of this like TV dinners because, you know, he's blind. It's the easiest to do. And uh, so I would just hang out with him. And I really wish and he did trust me and he did like me and. You know, he liked my jokes and everything, but there was a part of me that like thought that like he could never fully see me. And for lack of a better word, I know he couldn't see, but no matter how much time I spent with him, it would, it feels like it would have been impossible to, for him to really know who I am because he would, he would have to see me for some reason. And it, it feels like just him listening to me, uh, he wouldn't get uh, the full picture and just like anybody out here listening to this podcast, and if you've never seen me before, and if you turn on Twitter, wonder what this Mr. G guy looks like. And you it would, it would uh, you know, oh, that's what he looks like. I expected him to look a little bit different. But, you know, working at that 7-Eleven during that summer, it was the highest gas prices. I remember gas like hit 420. Like I was hoping it would go up and up. I'm like, come on, 420, 420, gas, gas finally hit 420. Um, I'd see gross, I'd see customers go into the, uh, 7-Eleven, like the blind guy, but other people that weren't disabled that would just do all their grocery shopping there at the 7-Eleven. It didn't happen at the 7-Eleven in Reno. 
one of those 7-Elevens was right off of a freeway. So we had a lot of travelers. But the 7-Eleven in Austin was like in a neighborhood, in a middle-class neighborhood. And people literally would go there and pay double for their groceries. And I'd point it out to them too. I'm like, you know, that box of Rice Krispies, uh, it costs $10 at 7-Eleven, but it's $5 at the grocery store. And then sometimes they'd be like, really? Or sometimes they'd be like, I don't care. I just, you know, I'm just doing this, you know. Uh, but working there after we got kicked out of the the little cottage was very hard because of the sleep issue. And my brother couldn't help me. It was perfect timing for him because the day that we got out, he was selected to be in a medical research study. They may Maybe they don't do it anymore, but uh, the famous director, Robert Rodriguez, actually funded his first movie by entering one of these same research studies. And what it is, is they give you some sort of drug that's not approved by the FDA. And <clears throat> um, you have to sign a waiver. Uh, so there's, you know, side effects and no telling what could happen. Uh, but they do pay you a few thousand dollars. And so my brother did this while the day that, you know, right when we uh, got kicked out. So I was on my own, just working at 7-Eleven. Like I said, I'd sleep at the blind guy's house or I'd sleep at my friend Charles's dorm or I'd make a little cot in the library. Finally, when my brother got out of the research study, I waited for him to get out. And then he got out and we immediately went to one of the cheapest motels in Austin and got a room there. And I was just so relieved to have somewhere safe to go. It wasn't that safe, actually. It was pretty ghetto and people banging on our doors all the time. But it was so relieving to get off of work at 8 or 9 a.m. when the sun is coming up, so tired and uh take the long bus ride back to the to the motel uh you know i'd go inside my brother would already, already be sleeping and the first thing i would do is turn on uh, turner classic movies which has been in the news recently uh but i'd watch turner classic movies and you know the the old black and white films or the awesome trailers that the uh the artists at tcm do and you know like sunny side of life uh, the great TCM remembers and I would just lay there on the bed and I would bring back like a bunch of uh, expired 7-Eleven sandwiches and expired 7-Eleven fruit cups and all this expired 7-Eleven crap and we'd put it in the cabinet and the fridge so it was full of just expired 7-Eleven junk and I'd, I'd sit there and I'd watch uh, Turner Classic movies and it was very uh, peaceful and it was just a slice of life. That's what Turner Classic Movies is in a lot of ways. When you watch movies from the 40s, 50s, and if there's a large scene with thousands of people, you can look at that scene and look at each individual person and think they were somebody. They lived a life. They had a mother. They had a father. They were a child. Um, they lived. They died. And you can look at the group of people and every single one of them have passed. Nobody is alive that was alive in the 1900 you know, and, uh, you know, and it, and it, it reminds you, uh, you know, we're all here and everything that you ever experience is just like tears in the rain. It's eventually going to be forgot by everybody and your tears in the rain. What happens to them? They get washed up. I'm about to cry. They get washed up and they go away. Uh, Rutger Hauer, Hauer uh, is famous for that line. Uh, in that famous sci-fi movie. But um, yeah, but I remember um, watching Turner Classic movies and my brother being asleep and having just worked 
10 hours at 7-Eleven talking to a hundred different people being so worn out physically and mentally and just laying there uh, with my 7-Eleven sandwiches, maybe smoke a little pot and just enjoy being alive, you know, at the, at the ghetto motel and enjoy that little bit of that. I have a bed to sleep in that I have somewhere to go back to because uh, not everybody has that. Um, yesterday I did a video um, and I mentioned the, the lost submarine. And in the video, the point that I was making was uh, it received like 10,000 views yesterday, then it stopped. But in the video, I talk about um, how there is a billionaire at the bottom of the ocean that wishes he could change places with me or with you or with anybody. And that may sound pretty cold, but it's just a reminder to appreciate every second. I once uh, worked with a guy who's a nice guy. He was from El Salvador. And me, him, uh, and this other guy, we would uh, carpool home. And one day he was just so upset that, um, you know, he had a young child and he didn't have money. He was working this tough job and uh, he was just complaining about money. He needed money and uh, he wished he had money and, and he, he wished it wasn't so bad for him. And then I told him, hey, would you sell me your legs for a million dollars? He's like, what? I'm like, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I'll, I'll buy your legs for a million dollars if you cut them off for me, would you do it? And then he says, no, no way. I was like, what about 5 million? And he thought about it for a second. He's like, mm, no, I need my legs. They're worth more than that. I was like, oh, okay. Because there are quadriplegic people and people that do not have legs. They do not have working legs or they do not have legs at all. And they, in a heartbeat, be willing to give up a million dollars for a working pair of legs. So if you have a working pair of legs, if you have a working pair of arms, you're a fucking millionaire. You have things that are worth millions of dollars to other people. And everybody has something that's that's of, of value. Everybody has something to offer. And everybody out there has something that they can teach to somebody else. Don't think you know it all because everybody that you ever meet in your entire life knows something that you don't. And everybody that you have ever met in your entire life has a story that you don't know about. Everybody has their own story. So we all need to be nicer to each other in that regards. You know, I I, I um, feel sorry for the people that died in the submarine, but you know, you you took the own risk. If you anybody that had done any the minimum amount of research on that vessel or um, the components of it, they anyone in their right mind uh, would not have gone on that trip. Um, I've noticed a lot of billionaires, I'm not saying it's the case with the submarine, but a lot of billionaires think they're invincible. Uh, many billionaires are straight up delusional. And, um, you know, you look at, like, I, I don't like Mark Zuckerberg, but I do like Elon Musk. But still, like, one time he said, like, I know a lot about manufacturing. I probably know more about manufacturing than every single person on the planet. And it, he really believes that. But the thing is, Elon... You know, the best field goal kicker uh, in the NFL, I don't know who it is, but the best field goal kicker in professional football, if he was like, I'm the best field goal kicker in the world, I can kick field goals better than anybody on the planet. Eh, negative. There are so many people on this planet. There is not even enough time to consider every single person. You know, there is somebody out there that has never played American football, but they can kick a football further than anybody else. There is somebody out there that is a mathematical genius, but they don't even know how to read or write and never went to school. 
there are so many people out there and nobody is the best at something. There's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody bigger than you. And Elon may be the richest person that ever existed, but um, even then there's, there's people out there that have, that are wealthier than him and they're just not in the public eye. The Elon is in the public eye big time now, him and Zuckerberg uh, more so than ever before. Now that they've agreed to have a boxing match between each other, you know who I'm cheering for. I don't like Zuckerberg. All right. He just rubs me the wrong way. Elon Musk. He's, uh, you know, when I think about how much money he actually had, I, I see it says like 200 billion. It's hard to like anybody that has more than a billion dollars. Personally, I will never have a billion dollars. If it starts getting that high, I'm giving it out. I'm, I'm giving out to, I'm saving every street cat in Hawaii. I'm saving every street cat in America. You know, I will never have a billion dollars because I would give it away before then. And to see somebody have $200 billion, it takes a thousand millions to make a billion. So with $200 billion, that means uh, he could give 20,000 people like $10 million each. Like what the hell? You have some money, bro. You don't need that much money. Nobody needs that much money, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, like I said, there are uh, people that are controlling things and, you know, you shouldn't talk crap about Zuckerberg or you'll notice your Instagram uh, views take a tremendous drop. Not that he, oh yeah, like Zuckerberg knows you exist. The thing is, I wouldn't want to be Mark Zuckerberg. And like, people are like, what? He's a billionaire. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Look at fucking him. I don't want to be him. He's a, a few years younger than me too, I believe. But I, I don't want to be Mark Zuckerberg. Look at him. Look at the way he talks. I'm sorry. That sounds really mean, but I'm really happy with the person that I'm in. If Mark Zuckerberg did a, a, a unscripted 30-minute podcast every day of him just talking for 30 minutes exactly like this, let's go, Zuck. Me and you. We're not going to cage fight. We're each going to do a 30-minute podcast. No script. No uh, no uh, ahead of time notes. Nothing. Nothing. No cheating, Zuck. And let's see who does the better podcast or like, goddamn, I'm sorry. I saw he was like five, four or something. Like I'm like a foot taller than him. Like not that that height is everything, but damn, I don't see why other people have this perspective. Like I don't want to be Mark Zuckerberg. Like, do I think I'm better than Mark Zuckerberg? Well, if me and Mark Zuckerberg were stuck on a deserted Island and this, a Swedish bikini team was there, and 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 he wasn't famous and he wasn't a billionaire. He was just some guy. He was just some graduate student. And I was just some guy, some grad, some some someone the, the bikini team didn't know. All right. At the end of the fucking day, I'm the one giving any fucking bitches to Zuckerberg. All right. He's not going to talk them over with his smoothness. They're not going to like be eyeballing his fucking cock. All right. It doesn't matter how much money he has. And it's just the, the the fact of the matter, like you break things down objectively. It's not a fair playing field. When Facebook came out, MySpace was the, the main thing, right? And when I started at University of Texas in 2006, all the hip college students was like, no, MySpace space is so yesterday. It's all about Facebook, Facebook. And I asked them, what's Facebook? And then they told me and like had me sign on and everything. And then for 2006, 2007, UT Austin was just obsessed with Facebook. 
And uh, I ended up deleting my Facebook after taking some mushrooms. But one reason, nobody talks about this, but the reason Facebook became so popular and MySpace died out is because the people that uh, set the agenda for culture and popular music, popular movies, I'll, I'll add a note here. All right, record companies, the University of Texas in Austin has one of the largest CD collections of any university in the United States. So record companies, I won't say their names, but the major record companies, they take artists that nobody has ever heard of and put those CDs in the that collection in the fine arts library. And there was a group of people at the University of Texas that would check out like 10 different CDs or records every day and then go home, probably put them on a computer or upload them on the internet, then return them. And so this is where I discovered Grimes, like on a homemade, like the, the 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 CD paper was like literally a piece of paper made, printed out by the record company. And it just said Grimes on it. And nobody knew who the hell Grimes was. And uh, I was, the me and one other person had checked out this CD. And I go to her Facebook and at that time, well, it was a friend of mine, the other girl that checked out the CD. And uh, I go to her Facebook and, you, at the time, any music that you like, you could put up and it would be like a, a link. So you click that link. So if you put out like Beastie Boys and you click the Beastie Boys and you would see all the Facebook users that also like the Beastie Boys. But on Grimes, nobody had ever heard of Grimes at that point. And nobody had listened to her except for me and the other person that had checked out the CD. But I don't know why, why was I talking about that? You know, liberals used to love me before 2020. And then they realized I was a straight white male. <laughs> it's like, I, I want to tax the rich. I'm pretty much, most days I'm for gun control and higher taxes on the rich. 80% uh, of jobs are going to be taken by AI in the next 10 years. 80%. <laughs> like there's 200,000 homeless people in California. 200,000, that's, a, that's a bigger than most major cities. And 80% of jobs are going away. Yo, uh, universal basic income, UBI, is going to be necessary unless somebody else comes up with another option. Because are we going to have uh, you know, more people living on the street? There's 200,000 right now. Are there going to be more? Because that's inevitable if, if people don't have a source of income. What are people going to be doing with their times, with their, with their days? People especially the working class obsess so much of their time, their life, their day to going to usually a meaningless job. Uh, it's not going to help progress for anybody to have a meaningless job. How many office workers just surf Facebook all day and they're getting paid 30 bucks an hour salary or whatever to do that. The most jobs are completely pointless. And when you have 80% of people that are, 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 what are they going to do with their time? Not everyone's going to be a writer. Not what everyone's going to start their own podcast. It's it's absurd. And um, I see the uh, wealthy, rich Republicans uh, sticking their nose up like, no, free money. We're not giving free money. It's not the welfare state. And, you know, uh, I, I think it was Tucker Carlson that said, uh, you know, truck driving is the number one job in the United States for uh, non-college graduates. And truck driving is going to be one of the first jobs to re be replaced by automatic drivers. Uh, a self-driving truck it, uh, will make a company much more money than paying a truck driver. Uh, so I've heard Republicans and uh, Tucker Carlson, I believe, or he's not necessarily a Republican, but I've heard them say, 
oh, well, we need to uh, keep those jobs because those jobs are important. So we need to subsidize those jobs and force businesses to have employees because employees need jobs. Even though the technology is there for the truck to drive and deliver itself, let's have somebody sitting in the cab just for the hell of it, just to give them something to do, just to take their take their time, take their day, take their pride, uh, fuck with their ego, make them have a pointless, meaningless job that does not need them at all. No, that's not the answer. That's not the answer at all. What happened during the Renaissance? Why did the Renaissance happen? Well, it was because they figured out how to wash their hands. They figured out, you know, minor things, you know, uh, keeping a, 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 you know, a woman in, that's going into labor, uh, sanitary, you know, preventing infection. They had more leisure time is the point I'm making. Whatever discoveries they came up with, there was more leisure time during the Renaissance. And so they were able to create art, writing, scientific discoveries. When you take away somebody that's forced to go to some eight hour job, slaving for a corporation that doesn't even really need them there's a technology to you know get make the job automated if a individual has time on their hands they're gonna find something to do humans naturally find things to do uh personally i won't ever be bored i've never been bored i grew up without toys boredom is something that i've never felt uh, i've always been able to entertain myself no matter where i'm at even if i'm in a jail cell in solitary confinement that was like one of the funnest three days of my life. <laughs> like solitary. Yeah! Okay, I didn't I didn't do that. But uh it was pretty fun. I always remember solitary confinement. Uh it is what it is. Um we'll mention a couple more things in the news. Uh Andrew Tate was arrested. Uh you might have heard me uh defending him in the first amendment. Um, after I, uh, they actually brought the charges uh, and the details that he, they have against him, the authorities, I, I, I cannot say that. Uh, I'm not saying he's uh, guilty of anything, but if you look at the evidence, there's you know seven separate women. Um, some of them are accusing him of SA, uh, and they have a lot of evidence against him. And he's kind of like such an arch type, like, this is what a man's supposed to be, big, tough cigar you know sports car it's like yo you, you, you're you, like that's what you got from like 80s action movies like that's not necessarily what a man is and you know the, certain things that he's he said about handicapped people taking handicapped spots he thought he was sounding like a badass but he sounded like an asshole and what he said about cats he thought he was sounding like a badass but he sounded like a fucking sociopath asshole and the real badass can go out and feed street kitties in a ghetto neighborhood where people chase him with knives and people try to beat him up and treat and and do this at 3 a.m. in one of the worst streets in Hawaii and not give a fuck what people think if he's unmanly for feeding the cats. No, motherfucker. The man is going down there. I'm protecting these little sweet kitties because I'm Mr. Fucking G. Top G, bitch. Okay, maybe that was a little much, but still, uh, that's what I would think of, man, is you're not giving a shit what people think. I care about the street cats, and I'm not trying to be cool with a sports car or cigar. I don't, uh, uh, and I know it's very dangerous going down there. I've had many attacks on me with, I've been sliced with a box cutter while feeding the cats. I've been chased with a fucking 12-inch steak knife. Uh, many things, instances, somebody was uh, shot, 
just the other day, I think yesterday down the street, a pregnant woman in the back of the head, not far from here. Um, the van, there's a bus over there at the uh, Micronesian store. And a woman was walking at 11 o'clock at night. Somebody called her over there like, hey, help, help, help. And the woman's like, what? You help, help. And the woman went over there. The guy grabbed her, pulled her in. There was five other guys in there. All five of them essayed the woman. Uh, she escaped naked, running down Dillingham uh, in the middle of the night. The cops finally came. They arrested, I believe, two of the five. The other three are out roaming around. They know who I am. <laughs> You know, I can't really tell them apart or like, or were like, I don't know which ones were involved in the crime, but uh, I'm very well known in this area. And that's one reason why I carry um, uh, my pistola. It's not a pistola. It's a, a legal, uh, non-lethal um, uh, pepper ball uh, machine. And I have that visible. And so people know, and I've, I've had to, you know, pepper spray a few different individuals during the course of my operation in the last few years. And so they know not to mess with me. Sometimes they still will mess with me. And like I said, it is dangerous, but, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not out here smoking a cigar, driving a car, talking shit about handicapped people saying bad things about cats. Like, nah, bro. Like, yeah, I like cats because they're friendly and they're not evil. And like, if you're friends with the cat, you can trust that cat and that cat will always be your friend. And the cats are smart and they'll only be friends with people they like and people that give them good vibes. But what I'm doing, not caring about what people think, putting my life in, in danger, I'm very poor. I use every money I have for these guys. Uh, that seems more, and I don't want to use the word, for lack of a better term, manly than the the art typical sports car cigar you know hot chicks lots of money that's manly really if every man has lots of money then it loses its value it's just like he's taking an arts type and a, a fantasy and idea and just uh manipulating it with a ponzi scheme so that's what i had to say about top g um joe biden he uh, was getting impeached. You may not have heard about that, but he's probably the most corrupt president in American history. Uh, he owns the FBI, unfortunately. His son got off uh, Hunter Biden uh, with misdemeanors on some hardcore charges, a slap on the wrist. And the lawyer for rapper Kodak Black uh, shouted out on Twitter that his client actually received three years for what... Um, Hunter Biden ended up getting probation for. So, uh, yeah, it's two sides of justice. Kodak Black, I, when he was in jail in Florida, he, I actually sent him a copy of my book, Gonzo Education. I've sent many incarcerated rappers copies of my book, actually just a few incarcerated rappers, but I've, I've sent incarcerated celebrities copies of my book and they've always accepted it. I mean, you're in jail. Like, what the fuck? You're not going to accept the book. You can do it on Amazon. But they have the uh, right to, like, uh, refuse delivery because they didn't order it. And out of everybody, out of 100 different people that I've sent my book to, only two people, quote unquote, refused delivery. Kodak Black, when he was imprisoned in South Florida, which really hurt my feelings. It's like, bro, you're in a cell. All right, maybe you can't even read, but you could at least take the book, right? Give it to a cellmate or something. And then the uh, Republican politician, J.D. Vance. 
And like I, I was just talking smack about Republicans, but uh, I reason I sent J.D. Vance a copy of my book. I'm not a, a Democrat or a Republican. I dislike both parties, by the way. But I sent J.D. Vance a copy of my book because when he started coming on the news, it was like J.D. Vance is a he's a politician who wrote a book about growing up poor. He wrote a book about his struggle, this and that. And he's a, a, a memoir by J.D. Vance. And I, um, I I went out and bought, I ordered J.D. Vance's book. It was like $5 for some reason, like 80% off on Amazon. And like, not many good reviews either. It's like, hmm, is this book really good? This politician that this book is talking about? And then I get the book. I've read a thousand books in my life. Very few of them I could not finish or 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 start because they were so poorly written. I got through the first few pages of J.D. Vance's memoir. And I'm like, what is this? This is so like unorthodox, like weird writing. It's hard to follow. He's got so many, uh, so much dialogue. The last thing you want in a memoir is dialogue because you don't remember what the fuck they said word for word unless you have it on video or audio. Like I just like looked at his memoir compared to mine and I'm like, bro, like, like I graduated from a journalism school. I took the skills that I learned and applied them to my first book. I, you know, had, you know, former instructors, uh, read the copy and help me, uh, in the editing process. And mine really flows really easily. Anybody that picks up my book, like it, you, you'll be able to read it in a couple of days because I took the skills that I was taught in one of the top journalism schools and made it very uh, easily digestible, easily readable. J.D. Vance's book was the opposite. It was just like, you had to like struggle to read this because there's no flow. There's no like, like context. It doesn't gel together. And I'm just like, what? And so I sent him a copy of my book being like, like, no offense, dude, I, I bought your book, but you know, I didn't finish it. it. It's over there. I only read the first few pages, like horrible. Like, I don't even know why you published this shit. And so I, I didn't say that, but I sent him a copy of my book and immediately he refused delivery. And like I said, the only other person to refuse delivery was Kodak Black. So it's like, what? Like, do you think I'm like some like super liberal or something? <laughs> like I'm not at all. And I make fun of liberals every fucking day. I hate Joe Biden. Um, but it's like, 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 why are you going to refuse delivery? I went out and paid for this book and now I'm, I'm still stuck with it and they don't ever refund the money either. I don't think so. I wonder what they do with those books. But, um, like I said, it's been 15 years since the summer of 2008 when I worked at 7-Eleven and I ended up finding a uh, place in South Austin, a nice house in a nice neighborhood. Uh, talk about that in my book more. And uh, one of the first things I did was me and my brother took me to go see, uh, we went to see The Dark Knight in the summer of 2008. Can you believe The Dark Knight is 15 years old? And uh, we went and saw this movie. Uh, growing up, one Christmas, the Christmas gift that we got, me and my twin brother when we were like 10 or 11, one year we did, didn't get hardly anything except for the original Batman uh, with the original Jack Nicholson Joker and Michael Keaton Batman. And we had this VHS tape and we had this tape and then Indiana Jones and a few others. But we would watch this Batman movie over and over and over again. I remember they had like a, a strange Bugs Bunny cartoon at the beginning, which was like so odd. But we would watch this VHS tape of Batman over and over. And we always loved the Joker and Jack Nicholson. 
And growing up, you know, people would tell me that like, you should be an actor, you know, people that get to know me and they see me talk and they see how I am. They're like, you're really good at speaking. You're really good at saying things. You should be an actor. And uh, growing up, like I told my, remember telling my brother, the, the one role that I would want to play would be the Joker. This was before the Dark Knight. This was when the only Joker was Jack Nicholson. And we would talk like how Jack Nicholson did the Joker. And I always would say like how I would do the Joker, like way darker, way more sinister. And uh, we we saw that performance uh, by Heath Ledger. And uh, I remember like well, after the movie, he was dropping me off and we had a, like a really deep conversation. And he's like, yeah, I remember uh, how you wanted to play the Joker. And that, that was the one role that you always wanted. And, and I described like how great Heath Ledger did and uh, how memorable of a performance it was. And, you know, if I could have, uh, and, and it, it was exactly uh, what I had in mind. And, um, so uh, we'll always remember that uh, movie, and uh, it was always uh, uh, an important thing that connected uh, me and my brother to, you know, our childhood when we would watch the Batman movie with the original Joker. Rest in peace, uh, Heath Ledger, and everybody else has lost their lives. Um, I mentioned it before, and I mentioned it again. It's a miracle that we all exist. Uh, we're on a rock in the boondocks of the Milky Way flying around a star going a million miles per hour. You put that out there, and then you also consider the fact that when your father met your mother or your mother met your father, there was 12, 12 trillions of sperm that could have made it to your mother's egg. And the one that did was the one that did, and the eggs and the, and the sperm, and they made you, and they made me. And that's very rare. The rarest object in the universe is the human brain it's out of anything that we have ever discovered it's the most complex thing in the entire universe and we're the universe realizing itself we're the universe analyzing itself we're the universe seeing itself what we are made out of is the same the same things that stars are made out of all the matter that has ever existed and that will ever exist in the universe was all created at the exact second of the big bang Matter just changes forms. We used to, part of us, the carbon in us used to be stars from supernovas. You know, other elements in us used to be rivers and oceans on other planets. It's a miracle that we're all here and times can be tough. Life can be hard, uh, but the sun always comes out and uh, it's darkest before the dawn. So whenever you feel down, whenever you think things aren't going to work out, just be happy that uh, we're alive and that you have uh, this breath. Because like I said, um, there's people out there um, that would uh, pay a billion dollars to have that chance. So thank you all for listening. Uh, the Mr. G podcast is available wherever you get podcasts, Amazon podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify podcasts. And full episodes of the Mr. G podcast are uploaded in their entirety on Twitter and YouTube. You guys have been great today. I hope you enjoyed this. Everybody have a wonderful Aloha Friday and come back tomorrow for a new episode. I'll talk to you guys later. Aloha.